It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Insider Matthew Collar here and joining me from PFF and one of my favorite podcasts, the PFF NFL podcast with Sam Monson and of course, Steve Palazzolo. We've got the shorter half, Sam Monson. What's going on? How are you, Sam? What's up? How's it going? Oh, you know, I'm just uh, looking at the wake of destruction that Josh Dobbs left from being traded away from teams. Uh, Just before we fired this up, the news came in that uh, Deshaun Watson is going to be out for the year. And if only they had a Dobbs, uh, then, uh, you know, maybe they'd be uh, going to the playoffs. Instead, they're going to have to rely on P.J. Walker. I don't know about that. Give me uh, what you've been thinking as you've been watching Josh Dobbs these last two weeks. I, I, don't, I don't know if everybody knows this from your past that you have grew up as a Vikings fan. So you saw plenty of backup quarterbacks come into games and seasons and lead teams into, you know, NFC championships and so forth. How you feeling about Josh Dobbs mania, Sam? Yeah, I mean, the Josh Dobbs story this year has been crazy. Like, nobody expected anything from him, really, this season. He's the guy – I mean, it didn't even make a ton of sense when they traded for him – the Cardinals, that is, when they traded for him at the start of the season. It's like, eh, I mean, is there much point in doing that versus just starting rookie Clayton Toon all season long and seeing what he brings to the table? And then Dobbs had that team competitive in every single game. Like, he had them fighting. He had them – even games where they – they got away from them late. You know, like the 49ers scored early. And this is when the 49ers are blowing out teams. And you're like, oh, Arizona's done. And then Dobbs battles them back, gets them, you know, close in that game. And then eventually the 49ers ease away. But, like, he had them battling every single game, obviously upset Dallas. And then when he gets traded to Minnesota, you're like, okay, obviously Josh Dobbs, Kirk Cousins is a massive difference from a passing uh, quarterback standpoint he's nowhere near the quarterback cousins is on the other hand he brings a uh, scrambling ability and and a, a quarterback rushing threat to the table that simply doesn't exist with Kirk cousins as the quarterback right which means new plays are now on the table that don't exist when Kirk cousins are the, is the quarterback and we saw some of those last week you know now that he actually has a chance to look at the playbook um, there are plays in there that clearly are not in the playbook when Cousins is there, like things that are only available 
when Josh Dobbs is the quarterback. And that rushing threat, that scrambling ability is changing games. And the Vikings are a good enough offense that, you know, they're in these games to begin with. And then Dobbs can win them with a, a couple of those big plays. Whereas in Arizona, you know, those big plays are the only thing keeping them in games in the first place. Well, maybe they should have just had zone read in there for Kirk Cousins. Maybe that that was the big mistake that could have gotten them over. No, probably not. Uh, but the thing about Josh Dobbs, I have to admit, I didn't watch a whole lot of Arizona this year. And I know it's been a bit on your show that uh, I think it's you who watches Arizona, but Steve doesn't pay much attention to Arizona uh, for maybe good reason. There was no real reason for me to think when they traded for Josh Dobbs, oh yeah, this will be the thing that gets them right back on track and takes them to the playoffs. I thought that they would win some games because they have a great setup, good offensive line, and a defense that just seems to be getting stronger each week. But looking at the playoff odds today, I mean, this is partly because of the NFC, but it's like 85% chance to make the playoffs after these last couple of weeks with Josh Dobbs. So I guess my question is, does it keep rolling? Like, do, is there a reason to believe that this last two weeks has sort of been just an aberration and the guy has kind of just blacked out and had this incredible couple of games? We've seen this happen before in the NFL. Or do you think that the skill set is there to keep it going? I mean, the big thing is you look at Minnesota's schedule. Uh, I mean, that was one of the things we were saying when they traded for him is like, look, obviously this is a downgraded quarterback. When you lose Kirk Cousins, it's going to be difficult to patch that up midseason. Um, but because of that rushing ability, because of the extra dimension that Josh Dobbs does bring that can kind of offset some of that loss from a, a quarterback standpoint, from a passing quarterback standpoint. But then you couple that with their schedule, right? That's where I think... You're, you're, you're looking at it and saying, you know, they have a real shot of going on a run, staying alive and making the playoffs from the NFC. And they started that with two wins. Now you've got Denver, Chicago, Vegas, Cincinnati, and then those two games against Detroit towards the end of the season. And those are the ones that are going to determine, you know, certainly the, the division, but potentially even their playoff lives, depending on how the rest of the games go. But, you know, only one of those games looks on paper to be a very difficult game. And, I, and that's against a, a team with like a 500 record. Like we just assume Cincinnati is better than their record shows at the moment. But the rest of that schedule, you look at that and saying, given what we've seen from Josh Dobbs so far, I mean, they should make the playoffs from this point. Okay, so I want to play a little, little just a little mind game with you here. Uh, I'm going to ask you a few things and make a statement, and you could tell me, is it too far? That's the game. Am I, <laughs> is it too far? So I will intentionally step the line. And you tell me if it's too far. If I were to say that I think the Vikings with Josh Dobbs, if they're playing the way they have the last couple of weeks and he's running the way he is and Justin Jefferson comes back, if I'm the rest of the NFC, I'm a little nervous about those Vikings all of a sudden because they've got a different playmaking element in the uh, at the quarterback position. And they've survived being without Justin Jefferson and Brian Flores' defense has been a top five defense over this entire winning streak. I, I'm a little scared if I'm another team in the NFC of the Minnesota Vikings. Is that too far or am I uh, going over the line? Um, I think if they if Dobbs keeps playing the way he is from a passing standpoint. So one of the things that's jumped out so far is he hasn't put the ball in harm's way throwing it yet. 
for the Vikings, right? Like the first game when he came in, obviously there were the fumbles and that was the big problem. Uh, but he, what, what amazed me about that performance is there wasn't any play for a guy who basically didn't know the playbook where he and a wide receiver were on different pages and he threw the ball right to a linebacker, right? Because he was expecting a guy to be there that wasn't. I couldn't believe there were none of those from that first game. And then the second game, he's been clean as well in terms of passing it. He hasn't had a particularly good turnover-worthy play rate in Arizona. Now, that's Arizona. It's a bad offense. You know, the, it, it would, you're not, you wouldn't expect it to be good. It might be better in Minnesota. But, you know, so far from his career, he hasn't been a tremendously sort of turnover-averse, risk-averse type of quarterback with the football. If that stays good in Minnesota – then I think this team is really dangerous. If Dobbs goes back to being likely to throw you a ball or two over the course of the game, that changes things a bit. But the other thing is, like, defenses hate unpredictability from an offense, right? And there's nothing more unpredictable than a guy flying by the seat of his pants, like, scrambling, just relying on raw athleticism and determination. And, you know, some of the scrambles he's had, it's like, he should be done several times in this play and somehow isn't and keeps going. Defenses hate that. There's Even though Kirk Cousins is better, there's a degree of comfort to knowing how he's going to beat you and just being able to focus on that. I, I, so, you know, whether or not it's actually a, a greater chance they win a game with him, I don't know. But I do think there will be defenses that are a lot less comfortable going up against a guy like Dobbs. And the fact that mixed into this run, because of course there have been some fairly, you know, easy opponents on the way is a win against the San Francisco 49ers. I know that it was with Kirk cousins, but that is the kind of test game for can Brian Flores, defense actually play against a good offense. And they survived against San Francisco, turned the ball over a couple times uh, on defense in a good way. And then against the New Orleans saints who are not a good offense, but they're also not a horrendous offense and they have playmakers. And before Derek Carr left that game with an injury, looked like he didn't know what he was looking at and they get to the ball and they make tackles and they stuff the run, which they've done extremely well since that disaster in Philadelphia early in the year. Would I be going too far to say that Brian Flores has more or less locked himself up a head coaching job for next year? And this is the best assistant coach job uh, that's been done all season to take a defense that we thought might be 32nd and have them playing like this. I definitely buy the second part. I think the first part is going to be determined by things that aren't relevant to his, you know, job this year, right? It's, it's all the other stuff. It's the first time around, it's the lawsuit. It's all this kind of thing, right. That that's going to have teams focusing on him as a head coach, the coordinator part though. Like I, I don't know that there's a better job being done right now uh, by a coordinator um, you know, there's other candidates, obviously, but Brian Flores, what he's doing to that defense, I think is phenomenal because the talent still isn't good, right? It's not like he's discovered a whole bunch of guys. You're like, oh, this, this group was way better than we thought it was. Like he's, this is schematic, what he's doing. And what you said in terms of didn't know what he was looking at, like that's the secret. I mean, the solution to the 49ers was that offense uh, dominates people by knowing what the rules are on defense and forcing you into doing something that's wrong, right? And basically taking advantage of your defensive rules and moving defenders away so that in behind them or, you know, in front of them or into that space that they've left, there's a wide open receiver. 
And there's no offense in the NFL better at doing that. And Kyle Shanahan, I don't think there's any coach better at doing that than he is. They ran into that Vikings defense and there's three safeties on the field and you don't know what the hell the rules are. They're appearing in places that they're not supposed to be. So you have Brock Purdy throwing these passes and it's like, how did he not see that safety? He did. He just didn't think he was going to be there. He thought the rule was something different and the safety ends up being right where he's throwing the ball. That's the, the magic of this defense right now is that nobody knows what the rules are and they're changing week to week. Like they're, mixing up the personnel they're using. They're not using the same static thing for every single team so that you can learn the rules over the course of the season. And that is just causing everybody problems because it's it might be the most difficult defense in the NFL to read for an opposing offense. I mean, this is a great point because there's from week to week, completely different game plans, which kind of takes you back to the Belichick peak and, and Belichick right. probably still does it, but Mac Jones is so bad. It doesn't matter. Uh, but I, I mean, when Belichick is at his absolute best, you go into the game against the Patriots, not knowing how they're going to play. And one week, Brian Flores just didn't blitz all that much. It was like, Oh, okay. I guess we're not, we're not doing that. And then other weeks he's blitzing 80%. That's been the main focus, but also like you said, the coverage, but the personnel, there was one game where they played 19 different players on defense, right. 19. I mean, how do you prepare for the entire defensive roster to show up on the other side of the field and what he's doing? And, and I asked him about this, about player development. I said, like, what's kind of your theory or your key to player development? He basically said, I know every one of these guys can do something well, and I'm just going to use them in those ways. And but everybody says that. And the way that he has been able to put the puzzle pieces together, and it's really, Sam, changed the way I've thought about defense and and the defensive coordinator's impact. Because I've always very much been a, like, look, personnel. It's just personnel. If you got great players, that's it. But I think where we see it is, can you take a player who is a C- and make him a B uh, as a defensive coordinator? And if you do that with, like, five or six guys, and they go from then this is the Vikings defense, a C minus player that is kind of fringe starter to an average player, then you've got one heck of a defense. And I think that's what he's been able to do here. Yeah. I mean, I think this is showing the power that scheme still has in today's NFL. Like obviously personnel is, is huge. Personnel is always going to be the most important thing to whether or not you're going to win games or not uh, on both sides of the ball. But you know, and, and in this year, more than any other, when defense is sort of fighting back, I think you're seeing just how powerful a good defensive scheme can be on what still looks like a pretty average group of personnel top to bottom. Like this group, if they were just running another random defense out there, you would expect them to be closer to last year's defense than they are this year's defense. The fact that he's able to do that and do it against good offenses is is really impressive. I mean, genuinely, he should be, I would say the front runner, but certainly one of the front runners for, you know, assistant coach of the year. Is there an assistant coach of the year award? I think, is. Is that... I, think I think, a, I think there is one. Okay. Well, if there is, then he I should not know that as somebody point. with an AP vote. I, I don't. Oh, okay. Well, you're a voter. So I don't know. Uh, am, am I uh, going too far to say that this today is the closest the Minnesota Vikings have been to a Super Bowl since they walked off the field against Philadelphia in a 38-7 loss in 2017. Am I going too far to say that? Um, hmm. I mean, the only other 
rival would be last year, right? So it's like, is this team actually better than they were a year ago when their record looked an awful lot healthier and everybody thought they were better than they were? <sighs> I, no, I think if Cousins was the quarterback, you could make that case. I think without Cousins and Dobbs, as exciting as he is and as, you know, he introduces that element of variance that isn't there. Otherwise, I still think he's worse. I th- you know, I think the offense is worse with with him in there versus Cousins, certainly over the long haul and against better teams. Like when you run into the – I don't know if, you know, even though he ran them close relatively for a while in Arizona and it's better, I don't know that they're winning that game against San Francisco with Dobbs a quarterback. Folks, I hope you've enjoyed listening to us talk about prize picks this year. But if you've missed it, here's how it works. You go to prizepicks.com, and it is simple. You pick either more or less between two and six player stat projections, and that's it. Now you're playing. So if it's X number of yards for a quarterback, you just decide, are they going to throw for more or less than that number of yards? But it works with lots of different options, receiving yards, touchdowns, even field goals, all sorts of sports as well. Prizepicks.com slash purple. Go there. Use the code purple for the first deposit match up to $100. One of the reasons I like prize picks, it is very simple to use. You'd see how we do it on the show real quick and easy. And then we talk about our picks and also not expensive either. You can turn $10 into $250 by nailing just a couple of picks. So go to prizepicks.com slash purple, the code purple, daily fantasy sports made easy. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Okay, let me put it from a global perspective. Like, yes, Kirk Cousins had them rolling. They were also like 500 still at that point. And I know not all his fault. I don't know. Uh, but I don't know that you can win the Super Bowl or compete for the Super Bowl with Cousins. If you were to ask me what was going to happen for this season, I would have told you they'd win a few of these games. We'd get all excited and then they would run into the harder teams later. They lose those games and that maybe they lose the saints game because they have a good defense and a good defensive line and he's not running away. And then uh, they'd get to the first round of the playoffs. They'd travel to somebody else's house and they would come home uh, with their season over and, And I'm not saying that Dobbs won't do that because that's probably what ends up happening here is we all talk about a magical season and then they lose in the playoffs. So we go like, oh, that was fun. I mean, though, the bigger picture, because the way that it has gone for Josh Dobbs has sort of showed them something new of you can survive and thrive without 
Kirk Cousins and also mobility matters. And hey, there's a draft with a bunch of potential first round quarterbacks. And then we know the whole thing about the cheat code, but also the young players emerging on this roster, Jordan Addison becoming a star, the way that the offensive line has come together. And for the first time, we're not talking about the guards. It's amazing. I I think from the roster up and coming strength, it feels a little bit like 2015 ish Vikings where you could, you could start to see it that. And then with the potential of drafting a quarterback and building around that quarterback, we know that's the way to reach the Super Bowl or to build a, a, a strong Eagles like roster. What about what about from that perspective? No, I mean, certain even if you just look at it and say, look, last team's last year's team won 13 games and this year could like they might win nine this year and look, they, they're no less uh, likely to win a playoff game than they were a year ago with the vastly different records, if that's the way they end up being. Um, so from that perspective, I think it's true. I yeah, I agree. I think that the foundations are better now than they were there then as well. And the quarterback thing is going to be a really interesting offseason dis- discussion, like whether Dobbs keeps playing the way he is, whether he can force himself into the conversation. The fact that Cousins tore an Achilles at his age makes that an interesting discussion. Like I assume the plan was to kind of put a stop on the Kirk Cousins thing, but his price may have just gone way down because of his you know, his age and the injury, like he's no longer likely walking over into, you know, a big well-paying job somewhere else. He might actually be a reasonable cost to bring back and do it all over again. Um, And then you have the draft and what that could be. And, you know, a month or so ago, that was like, wow, the Vikings are finally going to have a top five draft pick and have a shot at a quarterback that they never get. Now it's like, no, they're making the playoffs instead. Forget about that. So it's going to be a wild offseason for Minnesota without the, the most important position in the game, you know, solidified and, and sorted. But you're right. There's a lot of other pieces that are in, in a better situation than they've been for a long time. So the Cousins decision, see, that's interesting because I look at it a little bit differently in the way that the rest of the NFL's quarterback play this year has been uh, horrible. <laughs> and there's so many teams that you could make an argument for even coming off an Achilles that cousins has this really good, uh, as you say, track record of uh, having like, a great, great health. Right. Uh, and he, you could talk yourself into, if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers, how, we won all these games with Kenny Pickett, but if we just get a Kirk, which, you know, we've heard before, if right. we just get a Kirk, <clears throat> how many teams are Atlanta? If we just get a Kirk, I think that desperation is a hell of a drug when it comes to uh, the quarterback situation. And there will be other teams who say, all right, we know he's going to be a risk, but here's $42 million. And if you're the Vikings with Jefferson going to sign his contract, Darisaw is going to sign a contract. I think they should bring back Daniel Hunter uh, by any means, because I mean, it's leading the league at sacks and he's just showing no signs of slowing down, use the money to buy other things. Uh, I I think this is it. Like I, I think that this is it for Kirk Cousins, and not that they won't consider it, but that the price is just not going to be where they would uh, go back to it. Yeah, I guess it just depends what the offers look like. I agree, there'll be plenty of teams interested in Kirk Cousins, but before the injury, you know, he could have been looking at repeating the Viking contract over with somebody new. You know, three year, fully guaranteed, maximum kind of money. Let's go. Now, I don't know how many teams are going to want to give him that length and that guarantee of a guy of his age coming off an Achilles, right? So the best offer may end up being for him, 
all right, maybe it's less money. On the other hand, it's Minnesota where we're settled, where, you know, the, everything's good, right? Rather than let's risk going somewhere completely new for a bit more money, but not the money I thought I was going to get before I got injured. So I don't know, like maybe, maybe nobody will care and the offer will still be exactly the same as we thought it was going to be, you know, a, a month or so ago before you got hurt, but maybe it fundamentally changes the whole dynamic. And if the cost changes significantly, you know, it's a different mathematical equation for Minnesota. It's a different cost benefit analysis because the cost is changing. So I just think, you know, that's, that's something we're not going to know about until the off season, but I, I, it'll be interesting to see if it does dramatically change what the, the outlook is for him. Yeah. I'm not going to go with the going too far bit for the entire show. So I'm just going to pivot away from that, but you did a great job. Quasi uh, Mensa. Uh, when he gets hired, I know everyone at PFF is excited because this is the analytics GM. And uh, to just give a little bit more pub of my book, because I haven't mentioned it at all mm-hmm. uh, throughout, and you are in it, actually, if your story of how you arrived at PFF and helped build PFF is in the book as well. Football is a numbers game. Go to Amazon, get it there. Uh, but I talked to Kwesi Mensa for the book, and he talked about how he used PFF, especially college data, to set himself apart in San Francisco's front office. And this is just such an interesting and unique story. And anytime you have that, somebody who's not like, I was a football scout. Now I'm going to build the football team. Like anytime it's not that guy, that person is under the microscope, I think more for Quasi. And then he talks a little different at the podium than most former scouts who become GMs. He lays it out for you. He, uh, I think maybe more than they want him to sometimes. <laughs> and he said, competitive rebuild. And, and I think everybody went like, now what in the world are you talking about? Because usually in the sports today, it's your tanking or you're, you know, trying to chase the Super Bowl and you're going all, all Rams, you know, like where they've traded for Vaughn Miller and Odell Beckham and all that full Rams is what he said in an interview. And uh, I think there's reason for a skepticism of that. Can this really work? Shouldn't you really just tear it apart, rip it apart, send everybody out of here? And yet here we are uh, the second year in playoff position with a team and a coaching staff and an organization strong enough to be in that spot, even after losing their quarterback. What, what are we feeling about the way that Kwesi Adafo Mensa has handled from the starting position where he took over? to transitioning, I would say like 80%, 90% of the roster out of here to now feeling like they have a young roster that can compete for years to come. Yeah. It's interesting because the first year of him being there, you're like, I don't really see what's different. You know, we, there's, we're making sort of individual different personnel moves, but the same, like the, the focus seems to be the same. We, we've basically just got rid of the captain and, and stayed on the same course. Um, and that was the sort of big problem of the Vikings for years, that we're doing the same thing over and over again, getting the same results and nothing's changing. So you, you change the guy in charge, but the things were still changed. We're still saying the same. And this year is going to be strange because it's obviously been a really weird year where you have all the losses at the start. You, you climb out of the hole. Cousins goes down, you bring Josh Dobbs in. That's this like weird, like incredible story, exciting player to watch. And we might actually end up, okay, things, there are some things that are different. The roster's turned over, it's younger. Um, but we might actually end up being basically in the same place again, which is it's a reasonable team. 
They're going to win enough games, sneak into the playoffs, make the playoffs, whatever, probably either win one game or lose immediately and get bounced out and, and start all over. Right. And you look at, okay, now that now let's, what, what do we do next year to, to build on that? And that's the big question. Like we still have a massive quarterback problem. One of the biggest sort of positive changes has been what we talked about before. It's the coach, right? It's schematic, right? We didn't fundamentally overhaul a defensive roster. We just brought in a guy who knew what he was doing and everything looks better. So, on the one hand, you kind of look at it and say, yeah, this is – it feels better now than it did previously. But is it actually just the same with like a new – like a, with a facelift? Have we just – have we done anything different here? Or is this just the same thing dressed up slightly differently and we're being suckered again? So I think it will be a big offseason for them. I, I think it will be a good – a feel-good type of vibe given the way the season went. I think there will be a lot of reasons for optimism. There's a lot of encouragement with the young players that they have – and then it becomes a huge offseason to figure out, number one, what the quarterback plan is, and number two, how you build on that next year. And honestly, next year, I think, becomes the year where you judge him on, right? Because that's where – like this season will set you up with a platform to show that you can actually take that next step. And if they can't take that next step, then we've just done the same thing all over again. We just spun the wheels. So the, when I think about Kwesi, I think about what a lot of – the you know general managers who are of the modern era talk about where it's like their process and they don't judge short-term results and i mean that should be maybe what we looked at last year like don't judge sort of the short-term hey we're trying to prove that it was zimmer's fault and then we definitely did uh last year by winning 13 games and they made short-term moves that I thought, I don't know like why you're making short-term moves when the answer is going to be the same at the end. And it mostly was uh, in losing to the New York giants in the playoffs, but having seen then another off season and a larger sample and starting to get the idea of what the process was going to be like, I don't like process over results because results get you hired or fired or right put a ring on your face, right? Like results matter a lot. They're everything. But uh, I think that what we, what we saw was a smarter draft that, that they had this year uh, really, really smart to not extend Kirk cousins. Imagine a 36 year old coming off an Achilles injury on a three-year deal who is going to be paid $45 million next year. That would have been a total calamity. I didn't even know how, what, what would, what would be the reason to believe in this team going forward at all? If that was the case, right? I mean, because that they haven't done anything before and then he's supposed to be better after an Achilles injury. I don't know, man. Uh, Kendricks, Thielen, Delvin Cook looks horrendous with the New York Jets. I mean, all these things to me are, I don't know if it's going to work out. Sometimes Jake DeLome takes a team to the Super Bowl. Football's weird. But I think that if you make decisions this way, that in the long run, it's going to work out. That That's how I look at this, as opposed to when Spielman and Zimmer are at the helm and they're panicking to try to get back to the NFC Championship. And it's just like, ah, Breland. <laughs> like, uh, Sheldon Richardson, is he still around? Bring him in. He'll save the season. Let's sign a nose tackle because Michael Pierce is the reason that we're going to go somewhere different. Like, that that is where, to me, it separates from what they had done before when they were a middling team. Yeah, I think process versus results is a really interesting thing in all of sports. I think it's it's the most difficult thing that everybody's trying to master. And I think in football, it's the hardest to do because the sample size is just so much smaller, right? 
Like, I don't know how many stupid games do they play in baseball, like a million over the course of a season. It's really easy to see if the process is working because you have such a huge sample size that you can just figure it out immediately, right? It's just it's simple numbers will tell you. Uh, basketball, a ton of games over a season. Even soccer, like the Premier League, 38 games over a season. You can see pretty easily whether or not the process is working over any extended period of time. Football, you have 17 games, and you're almost never starting the same people every single game because half of them are hurt every week. And you know that in any given game, some random-ass thing can happen, like the Arizona Cardinals go and beat Dallas for no good reason at all other than it happens every week in the NFL. It makes no sense. So when you're trying to judge process versus results, you're like, particularly when you get down to the sharp end, right? You get into the playoffs. If you consistently fail in the championship game or in the divisional round, does that mean your process is flawed or you just ran into like three consecutive games where weird stuff happened and they all bounce in the same direction? It's impossible to tell. So I think you're right. You have to start judging it by like uh, almost philosophical situations and how does that work out over time and you know jettisoning running backs on giant bloated contracts that probably aren't making a big difference is a good process move in the right direction and theoretically if we stack enough of these on top of each other that will move us in the right direction and then hope you just have to hope that you know the the fluky things the random bounce of a ball and individual games go in your direction and then the other thing that i think helps that is getting two really smart coaches, right? If the offense and the defensive side of the ball are being manned by guys that are obviously elevating their side, that can only help. Folks, I cannot believe how many sports are going on right now. And guess what? There's a way to go to all of them with affordable tickets. My friends, you are going to want to check out Game Time. It is the fast and easy way to buy tickets to any sports event that you want to attend and much, much more. One of the cool parts about Game Time is that they have flash deals on last minute tickets and a low price guarantee, which means if you find something lower in the section or row, they will credit you 100 110%. You also get images of your seat locations, which I love because those maps can be a little confusing. Buy tickets in seconds and have them arrive right there on your phone. It's great. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use the code INSIDER for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code INSIDER for $20 off your first purchase. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price. Guaranteed. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Yeah, I mean, I think about, like, 
so there's 32 teams, but on any given year, like maybe 15 of them matter in some way, if if not even like that many. And so like, okay, the Vikings are always in the 15 that matter. They're always in the playoff race. They're always there. How can you weigh your odds a little bit, just a little bit? Because all those franchises are smart. They all have good coaches. There's a ton of good coaches around the league. But how can you weigh your odds within the a world of, you know, Howie Roseman's and Nick Sirianni's and, you know, uh, Kyle Shanahan's and John Lynch's that are doing things at, at the cutting edge level? Uh, and there's another thing, too, here, because, of course, all of this often comes down to the quarterback and how the quarterback plays. But there's another dynamic that's emerged in the NFC that is so strange because it's like if you're in the AFC, you better be the, the, a great quarterback if you're going to win there. And yet over in the NFC, it's kind of like, you know, the, the picture with the dragons and the ones kind of like twisted and goofy looking, the yeah. NFC is twisted and goofy looking when it comes to the quarterbacks, Brock Purdy, Josh Dobbs, you're like, Oh yeah. Playoff teams. That's exactly what I, I mean. I wonder about this for going forward because it doesn't look like it's going to change in the very short term. It might be within the next couple of years where the draft picks start to go and hit in the NFC. But when it comes to the approach, because here's what I'm getting to, Kwesi Adolfo Mensa's process, I think so far through two years, has been very, very good to put themselves in this position. And when you're winning as many games as they have in the regular season, it's not just some random BS, right? Uh, but the decision of whether they can ever get to somewhere special is going to be at that quarterback position, and everybody knows. And this is the unfortunate thing about being a GM in the NFL, is that if you land it, you get to be a genius like the Houston Texans genius smartest team ever. If they had drafted Bryce young, they'd probably look pretty dumb right now. Right. But that, but that that's life. Right. Uh, in the NFC though, it's like, I feel like your odds, if you just build a good team are so much better than they were. So there's like all these dynamics that, that are at play when it comes to grading the general manager. But I wonder if that will impact what they do at the quarterback position. The fact that there's just not special, special Mahomes, Allen, all of a sudden CJ Stroud's in this conversation for great quarterbacks in the NFC. The other thing, though, is that it's never a static picture like the league changes and evolves and shifts. And this is a really interesting year for that happening. Like we know kind of big picture defense is fighting back. Right. Scoring is down. Offense generally is down. Defense are having success the way they haven't in the past few years. There's a bunch of other like really weird numbers that are way down as well. And. You know, you've got guys like the Buffalo Bills firing their offense coordinator, even though when you look at the numbers, like it's difficult to find a stat where they're not ranking in the top three. That offense, by almost any objective measure, is cooking relative to everybody else. And they're like, this is a joke. Get rid of this guy. Fire him. This is not working. Right. And you've got somebody like Josh Allen, who is shown to be one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, leading the league in interceptions. And I, I if this current trend continues for a period of time, we might be shifting completely the type of quarterback that has more success or the type of quarterback that struggles more. Like you were to a degree over the last couple of years, rolling the dice on people like Josh Allen, because the high end was the important thing, right? If he puts it all together, that's what we want. Now you're looking at it and saying turnovers may never have been a bigger problem than they are now because defenses are forcing quarterbacks to be more conservative and more patient and pick things up slowly over a period of 10 plays. 
if you turn the ball over, that's just torpedoed like a quarter of the game. Um, so now, like again, you got the Bills. The only problem with that offense right now is turnovers, essentially, statistically, right? It's doing an incredible job, but they're turning the ball over at an insane rate. And even an offense that ranks top three in basically everything can't overcome that volume of turnovers. So now you're like, well, is Josh Allen, does he just become a worse quarterback now than he was the last couple of years because defenses have changed and the game has changed a bit? Like, this is stuff that GMs, like, they've got all the other crap that they've got to do in the day-to-day and in the back room somewhere. Like, there's a Friday meeting, 9 to 10 a.m., dedicated to like this discussion like is the game actually changing and do we have to rework all the math on this board because none of it is applicable anymore we've just shifted what quarterbacks are supposed to look like in today's nfl like that's why the job is such a nightmare like everyone you think it's just you know we decide about this player and this player we you know make a discussion about a contract or whatever but like this stuff has to happen at the same time you have to figure out what the hell is happening in the nfl during the course of a season so I, I, I think it's a great point when it comes to the longer drives and the fewer possessions and the heightened element of turnovers, which also probably jacks up the randomness a little bit. I also think that some of the defensive numbers from the bigger picture are in part because teams have taken on the we're going to be first or last, the, the Ricky Bobby theory. And right. if your quarterbacks have started, that's I mean, when you're looking at like, hey, why is offense down? That's that's relevant. If we were just ranking the human beings, how good they are at quarterback for all, all NFL players on rosters, there's like five or six backup quarterbacks who are veterans who are clearly better than people who are starting. And the teams have just sort of said, oh, well. Like we're going to, you know, move on from Josh Dobbs and play Clayton tune for a game and see what we've got. And, oh no, we lost. Um, And I, you know, I think that there's, I mean, look at Chicago, they had PJ Walker as their backup. I'm sure they could have gone out and gotten somebody who's a veteran and they were like, mm, you know, we'll just have Tyson Bajan. And uh, if fields goes down, <laughs> we'll draft higher. And look, I'm all for that. We know that's a smart strategy. If you're not going to win, then, uh, then that's the way to go. But I, I think that's been a, a somewhat at the cause of it because teams are not trying to find an Andy Dalton to start to get yeah. them to six wins anymore. It's like, if we're going to be bad, we're going to be real bad. Um, but uh, anyway, I, I didn't want to keep you all morning. You already got stuck in traffic. So, you know, it's it's been it's been a rough one for you. I did want to ask you, though, what your favorite thing going on in the NFL is right now. What is your favorite story? What are you the most excited about other than of course, Dobbs mania, which has taken over is Dobbs mania is not even good. We need something better than that, but that's what I've been going with. Uh, but what, what's, what's your, what's the most exciting thing to you in the NFL right now? I mean, I think part of it is this, this battle that we're talking about of defenses fighting back, how it's working, how it's impacting offenses, how it is changing. I think that is a really interesting dynamic that's happening right now. The Josh Dobbs thing is great. I would even extend it. I think so, you know, you can debate where the level of the average quarterback is now. Right. That it might be the same as it's ever been. But I do think that the the style of the average quarterback in today's NFL now is more exciting. Like we have more interesting, fun to watch meh quarterbacks than ever before. Right. The the the. If you go back 10 years, like your average mid-off of quarter, NFL quarterbacks could have been disgusting. Now you get like Sam Howell versus Josh Dobbs. I'm in. I don't even care 
who like what the result is. I am here to watch that because those two guys are incredible to, to watch play. And there's a whole bunch of those guys. It's wild. Like the, these quarterbacks that might not be great, might not be terrible, are somewhere in the middle, but have all of a sudden become wildly entertaining to watch. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. It's uh, It kind of has taken me back a little bit to the early 2000s when we had, and late 90s where we had a lot of quarterbacks just sort of emerge with great teams. And we went, oh, okay, the guy was uh, doing groceries and now is winning the MVP. <laughs> great, awesome. Uh, every Favre backup just became like a good NFL starter. And I, I like that we're seeing some quarterbacks come from other places than just the top of the draft and emerge as running elite offenses. And like, there's this opportunity that feels like you can build the great roster and drop somebody into it. And it's more than just, Oh, well they have Peyton Manning. So there's no other answer. And there's so many good quarterbacks in the AFC that nobody has the Tom Brady, uh, even Mahomes this year. I mean, like long-term or what we've seen before, of course, Mahomes was completely dominant, but this year there's a lot of people who are playing great at quarterback that you can make a case for. Uh, and I think that's added a new dynamic that I don't know who's coming out of the AFC. I don't know if Mahomes all of a sudden flips that switch in the second half of the season and goes full MVP mode. And then we're laughing at ever questioning the chiefs, or if they continue to kind of be more up and down than we've expected in the past. And then it's, can anybody catch Philadelphia? I think in the NFC is, is really the discussion as well. So an exciting time to be watching football. Who would have thought? Probably us. Uh, probably us. Uh, your podcast, PFF NFL podcast, and people already know it, but um, uh, it is my Monday morning or Monday evening jog music because you guys go through all of Sunday's games and break down each game. So obviously I can only cover the one that I'm covering and then catch so much. So you guys keep me caught up on everything you and Steve Palazzolo. Uh, so you know that I'm a huge fan of the show. So thank you for taking the time. I really appreciate it. And uh, if people have not listened to your show, then, well, what are you doing? So you should do that. So thanks, Anytime. Sam. Great to talk to you again, man. You too. Thanks for having me back.